You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Hello, Queerstians, and welcome to another episode of Your Queer Story, the podcast that inspires you, motivates you, and causes you to change the fucking world. I'm your favorite host, Paul Hobbs. And I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. You're giving us way too much credit. I am the other host, Evan Jones. That's right, the other host. I'm and changing your title. we're here to help you get raging boners. Oh, every day. That's our whole goal of us. <laughs> we are on episode 60, people. Can we Oh, just, my God. When we started this podcast, we are known for not sticking to anything. Oh, so known. We start a project, and then it's done after like a month. The dogs are trying to invade. Yeah. Get out of here. Hi, cutie. I love you. Get out of here. Come on. Come on. And... Um, Anyways, we are on episode 60. We've stuck with it this long. You know what that means? That means we're here for the long run, people. And that means we are going to continue to fill your minds with liberal ideas and we are going to radicalize you. That's what our purpose is. And I will say that it would have been it would have been very poetic if this had been episode 69 because of the subject. It would have been. It would have. But I just couldn't wait. When episode 69 comes out, we need episode 69 to cover like a kink. It, it definitely should. It definitely should. I feel like people celebrate their 100th episode and we'll celebrate our 69th episode. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. We should have a little 100th episode party. Oh, we should. Well, we, we still, still got a way to go. Yeah, <laughs> so. but we're, we're going to do it. We're going to make it. Anyways. Oh, I know we're going to make it. Um, and by the way, guys, for our world listeners, last time we started to tell you and then we got sidetracked by telling our one listener in Russia that he needs to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> um, so world listeners, August is all for you. So the British, we've got a couple of jolly good episodes for you. And for the the those in India, which I'm not going to do that accent because I can't do that that would definitely Uh, be racist exactly we got episodes for you we are back to the british in europe then we're going to the middle east and then we're going down to mexico we are going everywhere we're going on a tour yeah vocally vocally a vocal tour we will go on tour if you want to book us yeah that's right yeah Um, so just gonna throw that out there yeah right like runs a club or something you want to book us you just we oh you just gotta pay for transportation and um our housing that's right exactly so i wouldn't mind a few drinks at the venue either (laughs) evan doesn't drink so i'll take his exactly um, yeah just leave two drink tickets um actually you can leave a drink ticket and maybe like a ticket for like um fried pickles or something oh that'd be good this is for me. You're the one who gets to drink. I'm bitch. eating some of your fried pickles. You're not eating. Oh, no, 100. I would no. definitely be. Absol- Do I get to drink some of your alcohol? If you, and want. you don't need to. Drink- <laughs> I'm not limiting you, but as Whatever. a good friend, I would never offer it. Uh huh. 
Anyways. I'd probably knock it out of your hand if I ever saw it in your hand. But And I will knock my fried pickles out of your hand if I see them in your hand. I won't use my hands. Then. If you want to see Paul and I fight to the death, then please book us. We'll come and do a live show for you. Put on a jolly good time. A lip sync for your life and everything. Mm, that's way too much commitment. I'm backing out now. Not You're not backing out. I'm not doing a lip sync for your life. Because you don't want to lose. I'll do a lip sync for your life, but I'm not dressing up in drag. No, you don't have do to. That. Just use you. I'm not putting drag on. Are you fucking oh, kidding okay, me? That's too much right, work. Fine, fine, fine. Okay, okay, good, good, good. But uh, yes, guys, uh, we'd love to come to a show. Um, but on all seriousness, um, if you would like your business promoted, we'd be happy to promote it here. We do have rates to offer to promote businesses or your work. Um, also, Patreons, we really, really could use your support. We don't even have a door handle on our door. That's how my dogs keep getting in here. I mean, I could just go get it. Part of that is laziness. That's 100% laziness. I should attribute that. (laughs) But we would like to soundproof the office a little more, and we've got some other things we'd like to do. So any support you can lend on Patreon, we'd appreciate it. Um, Anything else we got to go over? You have a correction. Oh, yes, I have a correction, which I should have done last week, and I didn't, and I'm sorry. Um, So on our One Nation Under Queers, which was a very laid back, unscripted episode, we said that Catherine Lee Bates wrote the song God Bless America, and that is wrong. She wrote the song America the Beautiful, um, which we did get it right in the um, actual episode that we covered, the Wellesley marriages. But in that episode, we were just going off the top of our heads and we got stuck on the God Bless America. And we said it like 10 times. (laughs) Also, um, on our episode on world war ii the holocaust we um called a specific group of people gypsies which is a racist term um however in our podcast we do try to cover things as they were stated at the time to be historically accurate um we usually include a disclaimer before saying words like that we failed to do that and we do want to apologize um we were just trying to remain true to history and the way things were stated and right. the way people were treated yeah that's that's the way that they were labeled by the germans but we're, we're we do apologize for that that we should have posted or said something ahead of time mm-hmm. that that's not the language we use today that's just something that which that was used at the time right um anything else well i think we're caught up we're good to go all right so now we're jumping into this sex fueled episode actually sex sin sodomy we don't talk about sex sin and sodomy quite as much as i would like to didn't get into the specifics if you want to really read the specifics we dropped a link in our our um what is it was it called in our script that's Mm -hmm. published online where you can read the entire first book of the uh be, uh, the sexual behavior in the human male it is 820 pages but you can sit long. there and you can read it and you can read in-depth detailed descriptions of all the sex you want um everything you could ever imagine exactly but we don't have that in here I didn't put that in i did look through a few pages but uh it was just too much i was like i don't, I don't have the time <laughs> to devote to this so without further ado Our episode today covers one of the most well-known research studies in modern history and a landmark analysis for queer rights, the Kinsey Scale. On January of 1948, the world was attempting to recover from the devastation of World War II. The global tragedy had ended just two and a half years earlier, and governments at home and abroad were struggling to rebuild. In America, a new war had started. 
The War Against Communism and Homosexuality. The term Red Scare was the title carried in headlines, but Lavender Scare is the more accurate description. It is estimated that close to 10,000 federal employees lost their jobs due to accusations of communism of ac- due to accusations of communism that can be traced back to sexual deviancy, a term used to describe homosexuals. Many of these fired were also forced to endure public federal hearings, and many more were imprisoned or sent away to asylums simply because they were queer. Which we covered in a two-part episode, The Lavender Scare, episodes 10 and 11. And although the sound quality isn't great, I'm still very proud of those episodes. Oh, those episodes are great. Very, I did a lot of research for that. We don't sound as smooth and sexy and succulent. We sound a little staticky, airy, and echoey, but it was still a great episode. But the research is good. Um, And we also put in a link to a great book that we also used as a reference for this um, episode. And so it was the beginning of this eruption of turmoil that Professor Alfred Kinsey published his 820-page research study on the sexual behavior in the human male. He was a zoologist from Indiana University who inexplicably had decided to switch his research focus to human sexuality. The first page dedicated the book to the 12,000 persons who have contributed to this data and the 88,000 more who someday will help complete this study which that was his goal, 100,000 people, he would not get there. But I would say that since then, at least 100,000 people have been studied on sexual issues. Oh, yeah. And in the preface of the book, the it boldly stated, Certainly no aspect of human biology in our current civilization stands in more need of scientific knowledge and courageous humility than that of sex. The history of medicine proves that insofar as man seeks to know himself and face his own nature, he has become free from bewildered fear, despondent shame, or errant hypocrisy. As long as sex is dealt with in the current confusion of ignorance and sophistication, denial and indulgence, suppression and stimulation, punishment and exploitation, secrecy and display it will be associated with a duplicity and indecency that lead to neither intellectual honesty nor human dignity the book was the most comprehensive and in-depth study on sexuality ever ever published in america and it was one of the first studies that largely diverted from the traditional writings about deviant sex meaning any sex outside of heterosexual marriage The Kinsey reports would split open the discussion about sex in America, and this is why many have dubbed Kinsey the father of the sexual revolution. What is possibly most astounding about this report, and the one which would follow five years later, sexual behavior in the human female, is how popular they were. As one can imagine, an 800-page scientific discourse on anything is bound to be a bit dry, let alone a research published by a zoologist best known for his studies on gall wasps. Yet both books would stay at the top of the New York Times bestseller list for weeks, even after the Times initially refused to advertise or or even review the book. Yeah, it's astounding, really. Like, I mean, when you think of a New York Times bestseller and this book, and and it is dry. I mean, there's there's definitely, and again, I have not read the whole book. There were, I skimmed through, flipping through, there were some interesting parts, and there was a lot of, like, medical jargon when you're mm-hmm. like, what what am I reading? Like, uh, you know, you had to really focus on what you're reading. So for this to be at the top, top of the uh, bestseller list, even in the 30s when they didn't have much, t- uh, or 40s when they didn't have much television, still quite an accomplishment. So who the hell was this Alfred Kinsey anyway? Born on June 23, 1894 in Hoboken, New Jersey, Alfred's parents were poor, devout Methodists. It was often said that Alfred Sr. was the most devout Christian in Hoboken. 
Unfortunately, his, his allegiance to the church seemed to supersede all else, and his children struggled beneath the load of his overbearing standards. Alfred found relief in nature. He joined the Boy Scouts at a young age and would eventually earn the highest rank of Eagle Scout at age 17, which it was uh, early on. He was one of the first actual Eagle Scouts, if you're Boy Scouting into that. So the exposure to the outdoors no doubt fed Kinsey's love for botany and zoology. He developed a close mentorship with his high school science teacher and excelled in all of his studies. Alfred would graduate Columbia High as the valedictorian of his class in 1913. But while his father encouraged his son's love of the Boy Scouts, an institute deeply rooted in Christian values, Kinsey Sr. had issues with his son's love for science. While Alfred wanted to pursue his studies in botany, his father thought the field was a waste of time. Instead, the two reached a a supposed compromise when Kinsey Sr. pushed Alfred to enroll in the Stevens Institute of Technology, a local college that is actually one of the oldest technological universities in America. Alfred lasted one year at the tech school. The following fall, he defied his father and headed to Brunswick, Maine to attend Bowdoin College. He gets Bowdoin. Bowdoin College. Bowdoin, Bowdoin. It's an ugly name. <laughs> wow, rude. That's an old college. Go the ahead. college was and is renowned for its liberal arts programs to so the people who don't get a job, but also <laughs> its history of producing scientists and explorers, the people who do get jobs. In fact, <laughs> sorry you for any... You just insulted all of our artists. Every single so one. You better no, take every that single back. listener. Yes, you did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like we have any scientists listening to this. Everyone's like, hey, I'm a liberal arts major. Good luck. Thank you for contributing. We're sorry that our society does not value you. Oh, yeah. It's not your fault. It's yeah. just like... <laughs> um, in fact, just a few years before Kinsey arrived, Bedoin alumni uh, Robert Peary had led his first successful expedition to the North Pole. Alfred was finally among his people. So Alfred's struggle with his dad would be a lifelong battle, well, at least as long as his dad was, a ba- was alive. Mm-hmm. And, and it just... And a lot of people speculated, which I didn't put in here, that Alfred, um, a lot of what he did was in defiance of his dad. Like, you're such a devout Methodist Christian. I'm going to be the exact opposite. A lot of people said that he was an atheist. There's not a lot of evidence. There's not evidence to support a contradiction. Atheists don't fucking rub it in your face. They're not like, here, come join the Church of Atheists. Let me hand you this pamphlet. Let me hound you down. Let me fucking harass you. Let me stalk you. Let me fucking talk to you every time I see you. No, (laughs) atheists are like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to talk about it ever. Because you know what? It doesn't matter. (laughs) No, that's true. And I do, I think that he probably was an atheist or at the very least agnostic. Mm -hmm. There's just, I'm just saying there's not a lot of evidence to support either way. But he did, it does seem that he said a lot of what drove him was to like defy his dad. Mm-hmm. Like, this is you on this end, this is gonna be on it. Like, you hate anything to do with sex, I'm gonna devote my whole fucking life to studying sex, yeah. you know? So, so Alfred graduated with degrees in biology and psychology in 1916. His father did not attend his son's graduation. Kinsey then headed off to Harvard to continue his studies in biology, specifically entomology, the study of insects. While at Harvard, Alfred found great academic and professional success and became known as a leading expert on the subject of gall wasps, which I looked up and they look horrifying. Of co- I mean, I guess you have to have an expert on everything, right? Yeah, this- <laughs> someone's got to do it. And he was genuinely passionate about it. Like, I don't understand the capacity to be so passionate about one specific insect. No, I I couldn't. But like you said, someone's got to do it. Mm -hmm. Someone does. So after earning his doctorate in 1919, Alfred began to scour the country in pursuit of samples of gall wasps. He would submit over 5 million samples to the Museum of Natural History in New York City. What the fuck? That's a lot of wasps. That's a lot of wasps. 
Five million? Five million. Like, I don't, like, I guess he would just grab hives at a time and then they would die. I don't know. This was, his, this was his passion, his first passion. For 20 years, he did this. You know, some people like food. Some people like gall wasps. <laughs> Everyone's got their kink. Everyone's got their thing. <laughs> so he also began to compose work on a high school science textbook, which was among the first to fully endorse evolution as a basis of fact rather than a mere theory which is what my high school still taught in fucking 2006, that evolution was just a theory and most people didn't even believe in it. You you were taught a lot of weird things. <laughs> I was. Alfred also found love in the midst of all his career pursuits. He met and two months later, wow, yeah. married a fellow scientist and Indiana girl, Clara McMillan. That's the most Indiana name I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a friend that was close, maybe Sarah McMillan. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm. To no surprise, Alfred Sr. did not attend the wedding. Clara would be a cornerstone of Alfred's work to come. She encouraged him in his studies, and she also allowed him to explore his sexuality, as he allowed her to do the same. We don't have the details as to when the couple first opened their marriage, but it seems that sometime within the first 10 years, they began to explore polyamory, a fact that had to to be hidden from the world during the early part of the 20th century. The couple also had four children. Sadly, their first son, Donald, died at age five. It seemed of little consequence at the time, but Kenzie met Claire when he was still a virgin. Alfred would later admit he had struggled with his sexual identity for some time. The term bisexual had not been coined yet, and of course there was little information readily available for those questioning their sexual desires. Kenzie felt conflicted over his attractions to both men and women. When he and Clara were first married, they both struggled in the bedroom. Uh, you know, I always thought that my wife and I were really open about our sex life. Like Alfred Kenzie, he wins. He wins for how open he was about it. There you go. Um, however, and there was a rumor that it was because he had such a big dick. I don't know. But that was a rumor. Um, but however, I can see how that would be a problem. <laughs> with research being their forte, they both committed themselves to further study about sex, which is such like a, a scientist, like nerd thing to do. Yep. But like, let's just let's just read some books about it. Mm -hmm. And eventually, it seems they got quite good at it because the couple's because of the couple's struggles, they were especially sympathetic to other young couples who had issues in the bedroom. Alfred and Clara began privately counseling students about sex because there's no sex ed at this time. Right. And you're just kids are just growing up and just like figuring it out. And they're having the same issues that they did. Um, also, I don't know where, but yeah, we skipped over it so quick. But like, so they were a polyamorous couple early, like mm -hmm. before there's any information about polyamory. They just, you know, felt that it was natural for them to open up their marriage. Gotta do what you gotta do. That's right. By 1933, Kinsey had secretly devised a scale from zero to six that measured a person's sexuality, with one being a true heterosexual and six being a full-fledged homosexual. Alfred began to have a deep discussion with fellow zoologist Robert Kroc about the mating rituals of gall wasps. Of course he did. <laughs> He's like, hey, you know what we should... Hey, Robert, what are you doing? Uh, so I was watching these gall wasps fuck each other the other day, and I had a thought. What if we studied homosexuals? Yeah, completely. Like, uh, what? Um, huh? <laughs> um, also, where are you on the scale? Um, well, I mean, if you're going by the Kinsey scale, mm -hmm. I would say I'm probably... Well, it's hard when you're transgender. Right, that's so, the thing. Um, but So let's say, like, I'm a man, because I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> but so I would say that now I would probably be a two, 
I don't mm-hmm. think I'm a three because um, we always, when we talk about the Kinsey scale, we always do it on a scale of one to 10, but it's not. It's a scale of zero to six. And there's also an X, which we mentioned way later on for people that had no sexual desires. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the three would be considered bisexual. Right. And I don't feel like I'm fully at a three, but I'm definitely not at a zero or a one. Mm-hmm. What about you? I'm full, definitely a full six. Full-fledged six. Oh, yeah. yeah. All the way I know. Six. They just have a picture of you now at the end of it. And they're yeah, like, they're... and you've reached Paul's status. Pretty much. <laughs> um, these. These talks soon turned in discussions about human sexuality. In 1935, Kinsey addressed the facility at IU concerning the widespread ignorance ignorance surrounding sexual matters remember the students at the university were 17 and older and many were married because you got married at like fucking 15 yeah (laughs) and everybody had families by like 19 exactly like three children yeah yet they still struggled to understand basic anatomy and sexual needs two years later uh, alfred mounted a counter campaign against an anti-sex ed crusade raging through the campus the following year in 1938 he was given a chance to teach a non-accredited course titled marriage and family he stated in one of his early lectures, if Americans were not so inhibited, a 12-year-old would know most of the biology, which I will have to give you in formal lectures as seniors and graduate students. The first year, 98 students enrolled in the class. By 1940, over 400 young adults were lining up to take Professor Kinsey's marriage and family course. You should know basic anatomy. Right. You need to know your body. You need to know what's going on. Yeah. You need to know what's going on um, in other, like you need to know because I mean, you cannot make decisions you cannot properly take care of yourself you cannot properly plan if you do not have people still believe that masturbation made them blind Mm -hmm. i mean this is late 30s early 40s people believe that if they masturbated too much they would go blind that's why everybody was fucking miserable that's why they were going to war (laughs) why you fighting one more after another because you just can't fucking jack off you can't fuck who you want to fuck when you want to fuck how you want to fuck you don't even know how to fuck you don't know how to fly in a clitoris you don't even know there is a clitoris Mm -hmm. you know like it's just it's it's ridiculous and and it shows that there was a desire because there's always this when we remember history when you hear conservatives talk about history they talk about how moral and clean we were but books like from here to eternity which was a very erotic book at the time were you know were incredibly popular and then and we showed within two years of doing this class 400 students are enrolling in it it's the most popular class population yeah Right? <laughs> That's like uh, triple my, my high school population. So like 400 students are enrolling in this class. It was hugely successful. In 1941, Alfred Kinsey formally launched his research into the study of sex. He secured a $1,600 grant from the National Research Council's Committee for the Research on the Problems of Sex. God, I tell you what, medical books and names of committees, like yeah. the whole thing. Also, it, I love how they said research on the problems of sex, because, of course, sex is such a negative thing. Over the years, that amount would increase to 40000 equivalent to over 400000 today. Kinsey began to gather a team with sexologists Wardell Pomeroy and Clyde Martin as leads. Wardell was a graduate of IU and worked as a psychologist at a local hospital. Clyde had been a student at IU and had befriended the professor several years earlier. He eventually took a job as Alfred and Claire's gardener. By now, Alfred and Claire had long since opened their marriage and Kinsey and Clyde began an affair. There are conflicting stories as to the nature of their romance. Some have suggested that Clyde, while he was bisexual, felt pressured to be in a relationship with Kinsey. Others have suggested that the men shared a mutual friendship with Bennett a mutual friends with benefits relationship for about five years. And I don't know if this was his first relationship with a man, but it was the first one that like he really explored himself. 
Um, and Clyde would go on to marry an, another woman. And um, there was even rumors that Clyde also had a relationship with Mrs. Kendi- Kinsey later on. They were doing whatever they wanted to do. He was very much, and I didn't put it in here enough, but he was very much about promoting, like when he started, especially when he started working on it, he very much promoted, pushed his people to explore their sexuality and explore it outside of their marriage. And he actually faced a lot of criticism later on. Well, if they weren't getting married at fucking 15, they could have already explored. That's true. That's the problem. That's true. But even then, even if they weren't, but yeah, you're right. They didn't have a way to explore it. But a lot of people felt that he pushed them too hard to do things that they didn't want to really oh, do. Yeah. Saying like, it's for the good of, of the research. We've got to do it. And so like their, their marriages fell apart and they blamed him. But... I mean, and it may be, you know. I'm sure there were, if that's, if he was pushing two people hard, he could have caused collapses in marriages, absolutely. Um, But also, if you're getting married at 15, is your marriage going to last? Statistically, probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. And you're not educating, like you said, you're not exploring yourself. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're awakened to your sexual possibilities. And you may realize that the person you want to be with isn't who you want to be with. Right. Absolutely. That's the thing. When you explore sex, you don't know what you're going to find. Glad. Between 1939 and 1947, Kinsey and his team claimed they managed to secure sex histories from 12,000 individuals all across the United States. Later, it would come to light that some of these records were fudged to lend more validity. So-called validity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For instance, Kinsey claimed to have interviewed several admitted pedophiles, when in truth, he only interviewed one open pedophile. He also had a habit of marketing of marking people as married when they were actually single. But some of this can be attributed to the laws and understanding around marriage at the time, in contrast to Kinsey's own understanding of marriage and commitment. However, even some of the testimony even if some of the testimonies were thrown out, there is still a substantial database of research that would have pu- that would be published in two separate large volumes. Yeah, so even I mean, it's hard because he did like it was later found that he would fudge numbers because he wanted to seem like he had researched a larger pool of people than he had. It's hard to find an open pedophile in today's uh, age, yeah, let alone luck. in the 40s. The only way right? you would ever find somebody like that is probably if you actually interviewed somebody in prison. Like, Right, exactly. Nobody's going to yeah. come out and say that. And he did interview people in prison, but even then, like in prison, like even today, if you found out you're a pedophile, you get beaten to death. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, because he didn't have the means that he used to, like it was hard it was it was just it was hard. I'm not justifying. I don't think he should have fudged his records. I think that that's um, that's wrong. But he was trying to prove a point. I there was, but there's enough people research that I still think that the research is valid. Right. And that's what most people have found. Yes, there were errors. Yes, there were problems. It's it is warranting of criticism, but that doesn't invalidate the entire um, research. Right, Again, we've got like almost 2,000 pages worth of research, it would be really hard to invalidate that because you found a couple of indiscrepancies. Mm -hmm. So in truth, Kinsey collected even more histories. However, for the publishing of the Kinsey Report, he only published the accounts of white people. The claim was made that there weren't enough test samples from black histories to be used in the initial publication. While orientation and sexuality in themselves are not varied based on race or culture, sexual expression does vary. It is true that it may have been difficult for Kinsey to collect a large amount of sex histories from communities of color, and perhaps Kinsey felt publishing the histories of black and brown Americans would present a bias. Or perhaps Kinsey himself was biased. We do not know, as the histories are currently locked away. They're literally locked away. You can't see it. Whatever wasn't published, we don't have access to right now. However, some have suggested that Kinsey still slipped in some histories of people of color. 
Regardless, the first volume of Kinsey Reports, Sexual Behavior in the Human Male, was published in 1948. It cataloged 5,300 male subjects and cataloged everything from masturbation and fantasy to premarital sex and, of course, the iconic Kinsey Scale. By far the most sensational piece of the 800-page document was the Kinsey Scale. Here, Alfred had laid out a seven-point scale which measured a person's heterosexuality or lack thereof. Zero was for the fully heterosexual, one was for heterosexual but incidentally homosexual. I accidentally slipped that dick in there. I don't know what happened. Oh my god, is this a dick? I didn't realize. Meaning, the participant had at least one homosexual experience. This could be anything from a wet dream about another man to an innocent handjob in middle school. Two was heterosexual, but more than incidentally homosexual. Is that dick there again? Oh god my god! Damn it! I thought I put that away in my collection of <laughs> collection of what was it called? Collection of temptations that I was <laughs> no, no. never my sin pile. Yeah. <laughs> this means the person had more than a few hand jobs. Three was equally heterosexual and homosexual, what we would call bisexual today. Four was predominantly homosexual, but no, more than incidentally homosexual. Oh, that's more than incidentally heterosexual. heterosexual. Five was predominantly homosexual and only one incidentally heterosexual experience. And six was the all out heterosexual. Oh, that's homosexual. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, There's too many man. hetero homos and it keeps going out. And, Just, and yeah. six was the all out homosexual. I got to edit this. I can't have that because then people are going to be reading it and they're going to be all confused. Yeah. There was also an X for the individual who had never had any type of sexual preference. Perhaps what we would call, today call the um, asexual. But today, by today's standards, the scale doesn't hold up. But it did set a guideline in the realm of sexuality. And most importantly, it did so without judgment. Yeah, that was a big thing because he was very big about not judging these mm-hmm. people for what their things there was room for some criticism. We'll get to it in a minute. But in the book, Kinsey calls out the injustice against sex perverts and deviants. Again, all names used for homosexuals and transgender individuals, but mostly really uh, towards um, homosexuals because people weren't as aware of trans individuals. He decries the harsh crimes laid against those who do not follow the strictly heterosexual path. He advocates for understanding and real education around sex and sexuality. He speaks about the harm of the anti-sex ed movement and to and what it will do to younger generations. And he all but mocks America's prudish standards in regards to nature's most basic instinct. Kinsey had interviewed people from all walks of life, businessmen, students, prisoners, sex workers, open homosexuals, closeted closeted homosexuals, proud bisexuals, uncertain heterosexuals, cisgender men and women, and no doubt transgender individuals. I don't know that there were specific uh, studies of a transgender individual, but I can't imagine oh, that in that... There. Yeah, there had to be some people there that were trans that he didn't know, just by going off of stats. Yep. In fact, his wide array of interviewees has also been used as fuel to call his research into question, as bias pushes people to trust the truthfulness and stories from the world's deviants. So a lot of his... Um, his critics were like, well, how can we trust the sex workers and the and the prisoners? And are they even telling the truth right, about their sex histories? Right, they're making this stuff up. Exactly. Though there is something to be said for public outcry against Dr. Kinsey's 17-hour interview with pedophile Rex King. Kinsey painstakingly took down details of King's rape and abuse of children. Witnesses claimed that Kinsey's subordinates were so disturbed they left the interview early in disgust, leaving the doctor alone with the pedophile. And this was not someone who was... Um, like uh, in prison, like this was a man who like admitted to him that he was a pedophile and like 
in detail described abuse from two month old babies to like, you know, all the way up through like, you know, like 16, yeah. 17 year old boys. Wow. Horrible. So yeah, it was a really tough and, um, uh, like it was a, re- it was a really tough thing. And, uh, it's hard because someone's got to study the pedophiles, just like someone's got to study the Galwafs. Uh, there's no way that it can be prevented if there's no knowledge on the subject. Exactly. But or I do, treated or, you know, anything. Yeah. You can't, can't, you can't prevent something from happening if you don't know anything about the subject. Exactly. And a lot of the people said that Kinsey should have reported Rex King. And I, I still, I think he should have, cause I don't care. Like he made this agreement. He was honoring a professional agreement, which I'll, um, I'll interview you and I won't report any of this. I won't report your name to the feds, but the horrendous things that the man did. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, I would have reported just, him regardless. I know. Right. Like, fuck you, man. Like you don't deserve to be honored, mm-hmm. you know? So that was one of the things against him that I, the strongest criticism that I agreed with mm-hmm. that I was like, yep, that's valid. Yeah. So anyways, Kinsey's findings were unnerving to a nation that had steeped itself in hyper masculinity and heteronormal normality since the war. He reported that 37% of adult men had engaged in some kind of homosexual deviancy, with that number rising significantly for men that were older but still single, which makes sense. One, because if you haven't found a woman, um, you still got to do it somehow. And two, if you're not dating a woman because, you know, you're trying to not do that because you don't like that, clearly you're not going to be married. It's like, I just, I want to find a woman. I do. But all these dicks, they just keep slipping slipping into my mouth. I don't know. And I don't mean for them to, but they're there. Mm -hmm. It's my temptation. The doctor also wrote that teenage boys were 55% more likely to explore sexual activity with another boy. Which is common. Yeah. And 10% of all men had been exclusively homosexual for at least three years of their life. The 10% statistic, which is still reported and commonly known today. Yeah. When people say 10% of people are queer, that's where they're getting that Mm -hmm. from. Kinsey found out a lot of other things about male sexuality, such as the fact that 50% of white married men indulged in extramarital affairs. Mm-mm-mm. Surprising. Between the infidelity and the homosexual claims, Life magazine exclaimed, new, word, new worlds of suspicion were opened to doubting wives by Kinsey's revolution, revelations on men. As for the public reaction, it was a mix of hypocrisy. While religious leaders and politicians called out the immorality of the study, the books continued to climb to New York Times bestseller list. And like we said at the beginning, initially, they wouldn't even review the book. Mm -hmm. Like New York Times, like, no, we're not going to. But then it was so popular, they had to. One religious leader claimed the sexual behavior of the human male was the most anti-religious book of our times. And he was like, fuck you, dad. I made it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which was just a big compliment to Alfred mm-hmm. Kinsey. Celebrities made jokes about the report in songs and television shows. Even famed entertainer Mae West, who we will cover one day, I've said that oh, before, lamented that Kinsey had taken away her bit when he started talking about sex. And he's like, that's my eye stick, mm-hmm. man. And comic Marth and the comic Martha Ray wrote a song called Oh, Dr. Kinsey, which I wanted to find, but I, I didn't have time to look. I don't know if it's out there. So if you find it and you want to send it to us, that would be great. Um, oh, Dr. Kinsey, which sold half a million copies. And again, this is in the 40s. Yep. While conservatives condemned the book and liberals poked fun, the queer community was alive. Harry Hay, the founder of the Madison Society, the first uh, gay, openly gay establishment, once joked he carried the Kinsey report around like a Bible. Samuel Stewart, a gay man interviewed by Kinsey, stated, 
It blasted the damn country wide open. There wasn't a radio stand-up comic or a television comic or a nightclub comic who didn't have a thousand jokes to make of it. His name was a household word. Even the dumbest guy on the street had heard of Kenzie. He was our stonewall. After that, everybody began to know and would look at the straightest guy on the street and say, Are you gay? Oh, they've definitely tried something. Oh, yeah. In 1953, Kenzie released his second volume on the report. This one titled Sexual Behavior in the Human Female. Not surprisingly, this volume didn't get quite as much attention. <laughs> it, got, it got just, it was sold for uh, 30 cents less than the other one. <laughs> oh, definitely. And they were like, you don't need to know anything about that. That Nobody needs to know because guess what? If it doesn't have to do with males, it's not relevant. Just a bunch of women. Though it did hit the New York Times bestseller looks like its predecessor. It also landed Kinsey on the cover of Time magazine for that year. He stated simply that his goal behind the research was to show nearly all the so-called sexual perversions fall within the range of biological normality. Kinsey found that 7% of women fell into the bisexual category with only 1% of women as strictly homosexual. A number that's been hotly disputed since. Yeah, I don't believe that. I don't believe that either. And again, we must factor in social and cultural acceptance of an idea, a concept that Kenzie did not weigh in another criticism of his studies. Yeah, so like, you know, it's more acceptable for women to be with women, so it's not counted as the same, right? right? So he just, again, it's, yeah, he didn't factor in cultural aspects at all. Not that that makes a person gay, but it, 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 it goes into the way a person sexually expresses himself. Yeah, absolutely. A concept that, oh, um, his biggest contribution to women, though, came in his defense that women experienced a near equal desire for sex as men. Because everybody's, women just aren't sexually, they're just not aroused. They no, just they just don't want your old, nasty, smelly, weird, misshapen <laughs> You know what thing they really like? They really like when you don't rape them. That's the thing. That's they're just the thing. Like, hey, you know, surprise. Yeah, I wow. wouldn't have known that. When you don't, like, harass them at work and make them have sex with you so that they can get a promotion or keep their home, they tend to like sex otherwise. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe. I I don't know. Just a thought. He also did an in-depth explanation of the female orgasm and speculated that the clitoral orgasm was equal to or stronger than the vaginal orgasm, a concept that he had that had always been taught in the opposite way. This new information. Of course it had because it wasn't about pleasuring a woman. It was about how deep you could get your dick in her. Yeah, absolutely. If you're working on the the clit, you are not like penetrating or you are, but you're not. I don't know. It's different. I don't know much about this. (laughs) I don't know how this works. Talk about penetrating a woman. I don't know how it works. I know that you're supposed to rub it or something like this. And you're doing great. The point is that, yeah, you know, it's not all about you getting your your dick off. So, um, of course, you're not going to think about the clitoris. Right. This new information was especially empowering for women, and with the introduction of birth control a few years later, women began to view sex and explore sex in a new light. However, as usual, anti-LGBT groups had been stoking the the flames of fear. The Red Scare, again more adequately known as the Lavender Scare, was at its peak in 1953. Eisenhower was elected to office in 1952 in a landslide victory over Adelaide Stevenson, who himself, Adelaide Stevenson, had been accused of being a homosexual. And um, was say, if you want to see things that are similar to Trump, look at uh, Eisenhower's mm-hmm. inauguration in 1952. Mm-hmm. Um, pulling on Eisenhower's ear was the Reverend Billy Graham, an up-and-coming evangelist at the time and a staunch homophobe. Graham said of Kinsey's work, It is impossible to estimate the damage this book will do to the already deteriorating morals of America. With the election of such a conservative president and the fierce pushback of the right, Kinsey's funding for research was pulled. It's interesting to note that this era began 
that this era birthed the era of conversion therapy. Wow. Though it would be another 20 years before the practice would fully take off, far-right groups realized that science wouldn't be on their side for much longer. So let's start torturing these people and fucking making sure that our ways remain uh, enforced so that way we can keep a a vast majority of America on our side and we can keep these other people who want to explore themselves Mm -hmm. and be themselves under our control. Well, like, I mean, before this, you could just throw a homosexual in prison, right? Right. Just throw him in prison or throw him in an asylum. And now you realize that science is going to tell you, oh, wait, maybe we can't do that. So you're like, yeah, let's make sure that we can keep these people yeah, locked it's all away. About control make sure, and yeah. making sure that you make other people feel better about themselves because if you make other people feel better about themselves, you can control them. Exactly. Oh, what do you mean make them feel better By about religious themselves? leaders making certain groups of people feel better about themselves, superior mm-hmm. over other oh, groups of oh, people. Oh, superior, yeah. Of course they're going to follow you because you make them feel good. Exactly. Why you would I not Because you're heterosexual, you? so you're superior to the homosexual. Exactly. And then, of course, you want to be heterosexual because if you're not, exactly. you don't get to be in you our club. You just control everyone. Yeah. Perhaps time knew that Kenzie's work had been complete. Just three years after his research on sex had been shut down, Alfred Kinsey passed away suddenly on August 25th, 1956, of heart failure and pneumonia. The New York Times ran this editorial. The untimely death of Dr. Alfred C. Kinsey takes from the American scene an important and invaluable as well as controversial figure. Whatever may have been the reaction to his findings and to the unscrupulous use of some of them, the fact remains that he was first, last, and always a scientist. In the long run, it is possible, it is probable that the values and his contribution to contemporary thought will lie much less in what he found out than in the method he used and his way of applying it. Any sort of scientific approach to the problems of sex is difficult because the field is so deeply overlaid with such things as moral precept, taboo, individual and group training, and uh, long-established behavioral patterns. Some of these may be in, may be good in themselves, but they are no help to the scientific and empirical empirical method of getting at the truth. Dr. Kinsey cut through this overlay with a detachment and precision. His work was conscientious and comprehensive. Naturally, it will receive a serious setback with his death. Let us earnestly hope that the scientific spirit that inspired it will not be similarly similarly impaired. Wow. We made, made it. it. Wow. Okay. I actually can read really well. I don't know he what can. It, he can. I don't know what it was about that paragraph. I felt like the editorial was really good. It just has a lot of big words. It was good because it like it, it really laid out who he was. Um and at the end like they expressed the fear of like, well, are people going to be able to re- continue his work? Right. But he did. Though Kinsey had left this world, his legacy and research would live on and inspire countless more, including Dr. Evelyn Hooker, who we covered. The the, slut. The slut. Well, we love you, Evelyn. Um, But yeah, you you can go back and listen to that. And so she like he opened this door and um, people were afraid that it would close after he Mm -hmm. died, which he died doing what he loved, you know, hunting down gall wasps. Today, the Kinsey Institute of Indiana University continues his work. And they've expanded more sex to also um, gender identity mm-hmm. and gender expression. While the studies were not perfect, in a time when no one dared to utter the word sex aloud, Kinsey made the topic a household discussion. And most importantly, he helped to rip off 
he helped to rip off the stigma surrounding homosexuality. For all the criticisms, Kinsey's work certainly struck a nerve. Even 50 years later, the right would still be writing attacks against the dead scientists, and it would still be another decade before laws against homosexuality would begin to be repealed, another 20 years before the American Psychiatric Association would remove homosexuality from its list of diseases. But now the science community was equipped to find the truth and to help the queer community. A lot is owed to Dr. Kinsey and his seven-point scale. So your recommended resource for today is Alfred C. Kinsey by James H. Jones. It is a bit of a critical account of the professor and scientist, but it is considered to the current definitive history of the controversial doctor. And if you want to skip that, just watch the 2004 movie Kinsey starring Liam Nesson. Liam Neeson. Oh my God. Paul, you want to like, come on. Who is Liam that? Neeson. You don't, don't know. know. Taken? Nope. You have my daughter. What he say? He said, you have my daughter. I'll give you... I'll give you I don't three watch options. movies. Wait, I wait, don't wait. know actors. I, I don't. You know what? You you're the worst person, and now I can't even remember his infamous line in Taken. You're welcome. You're anyways. So yeah, Liam Neeson, the Kinsey. I mean, it's uh, I mean, there are some draw like dramatic exaggerations a little bit, but there's also some good stuff. And like I said, a controversial guy. I'm not defending or supporting him, but his work was incredibly important, and it still is to this day. So. Um, yeah, so check out the movie or read the book by uh, James H. Jones or, you know, check out our is, our um, resources. And remember, you can read the entire uh, sexual behavior of the human male if you want to. The All link 800 will be provided. plus pages. All 800 plus. If anybody reads it, please let us know. I want to shake your hand. All right. So stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. A little succulent sapphist. And our proud homocrats. Your sodomy circus. And goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.